Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of To The Point Podcast. Um, if you think you're seeing double, uh, yes, me and Seamus were podcasting together last night, but we've lost two of our uh, co-hosts from last night. We're here today, as we always do on Tuesdays, to talk about Breaking Bad, episodes three and four of season three. Um, this is really, I think, some of the best of Breaking Bad. We talked about this last week, but these episodes, the dynamics, um, you know, just some of the scenes and the acting are quite quite incredible uh in these in these next couple episodes but shay uh almost two hours last night uh we're back again less than 12 hours later how are you coping with the uh with work plus podcasting plus a move i mean it's got to be a lot in your plate oh i mean you can probably tell by my face i'm a tad tired but i pushed through you know i love the game and i love the hustle so so i'm back back again no, it should be good. We're uh, we're almost done painting the place. So after that, it's just about moving the rest of our stuff and packing. So that shouldn't be too bad. But uh, no, it's good. Uh, I was happy Dawson and Casey could both make it last night. I thought we had some interesting dynamics and uh, you know some some interesting uh, cap cap talk from our good friend Casey. But uh, yeah. I'm excited to uh, excited to dive into this one. Like you said, two great episodes. Love the way uh, the end of the third episode ends. Mm. Uh, one of the one of the all time scenes coming from. Our our favorite uh, character Skylar White, but uh, we'll uh, we'll dive into that shortly. Yeah, uh, yeah. So just uh, as a little reprieve from last week, uh, we met the twins. They are on the hunt for for Walter. They know Walter was involved in the killing of Tuco, even though he was not the one that directly killed him. It was Hank. But they they're at his house, ready to ready to kill him. They had the axe in hand, waiting for him to come out of the bathroom when. They received a text that said uh, Polos, which was, you know, Los Polos Hermanos and uh, meaning Gustavo Fring. And they left and Walter was scathed ultimately because of our still unknown man. Um, I know me and you both know his name, but we can't really div- divulge that yet because they haven't said it in the show, which is kind of irritating to me. Uh, but we start this episode with a little in- interesting little start. It is. Our friend Tortuga, who we met briefly when when Hank was down in El Paso, and he's sitting at a bar and he's kind of really degrading, kind of an asshole to the bartender, telling him to keep pouring him liquor when a leader of the cartel comes in and uh, is kind of going to they chat and he's got a birthday gift uh, for Tortuga. Yeah, right away. He's uh, super surprised by this visit. He's like, why are you in this crummy, crummy, shitty little town, you know, here in here in Mexico, but you know, it's, it's, he's good. Like the, the, we'll say, we'll just leave him unnamed for now, even though like much like our other veteran, we, we know who he is, but as, uh, as you said, he's a boss, he's a leader in the cartel and you know, he's, he's coming there with full confidence. Like, you know, I'm coming in here cause I missed your birthday and I felt that. So I, I got, I got a little surprise for you up back and you know, Danny Trejo, AKA Tortuga says, Oh, back there. And he hesitates, but he goes back. Mm-hmm. and uh a nice a nice gift uh nevertheless and uh something that's really probably speaks to him yeah he walks out back and it's a massive turtle and uh like literally a huge huge turtle and he loves it because you know tortuga is like oh it's a great gift and um this this unknown man says okay well i'll sign it for you you know for your birthday and he signs it and the turtle starts to walk, it turns around and it says Ola DEA, which was the turtle that Danny Trejo, as you said, Tortuga's head was on 
when it when the turtle exploded and who are the ones to cut his head off but the twins that we met in the previous two episodes they come in storm him they have the machete that they're ready to kill walter with they pin him to the table and promptly cut his head off yeah so just as a recap this this is just kind of the background information to what we saw when hank made his first trip to el paso mm-hmm. um, across the border and basically it's just giving the background information of what actually happened to Tutica because all we all we knew beforehand was that he was with the DEA and then you know they were waiting and then we saw the head with the tortoise and of course the bomb strapped to it which uh, left left uh, Agent Schrader with a little bit of PTSD. Yeah and, and also it, it kind of shows you what the cartel is all about they were one step ahead of the DEA because they they knew this guy was a rat and they promptly took care of it and uh, it it just shows you how ruthless they are. And clearly these two twins and the, the cousins of Tuco are hired muscle and will, they really have no emotions. No, they, they killed him and they weren't, you know, there was no, there was no change to the fa- their faces. The guy was getting blood right in his face uh, from the head and he, he just looked on as he was holding him down. And it's really the first time we've seen uh, the twins actually in action, because when you think about when they were shooting up the trailer, going across the border we didn't really get to see any of that we more or less just right. saw them uh we just saw the just heard the gunshots go on inside the trailer but now we get to see what they're made of and it kind of just gives them a little description that these guys you know they're ruthless and they work for the cartel and like you said they're they're hired muscle but they, they know what they're doing clearly yeah so i i like the way this episode started because he said it gives background knowledge and it also it, it was just it was just interesting uh to see to see them in action too um so then we pivot to walter and you know he was he has been kicked out of his home just to remind everybody skylar wants a divorce she does not want him to be in contact with the children she wants him out of her life basically just just leave and i won't tell the police your you know big secret but he comes home takes a shower Starts to clean off the pizza that he threw off the roof from a, a few days ago. And who returns home but Skylar to see his Aztec in the driveway? Yeah. And I, I like the move here. She calls him and, you know, just to see, even though clearly he knows. And they kind of had this, you know, awkward conversation where they're both looking at each other through the window, but, you know, talking on the phone. And she's, she's pissed. She's like, why are you, know, why are you here? How did you even get in? Because, uh, as you know, she he changed the lock or she changed the locks, AKA why Walter was uh, climbing through the bait in the, the bottom part of their house. And yeah, I mean, she's, she's never got every right to be upset, but Walter feels like he deserves to be there and you know, it's his house uh, as well. Right. So she's like, get out. Uh, I'm going to call the cops and I'll, I'll tell them your secret. And he goes, the phone's right there, Skylar. And he's just sitting there grading tests. And it's interesting because she does call the cops and she does not let him come in contact with Holly, Mm -hmm. which is another really interesting, you know, he's really hasn't seen much of his daughter because he had surgery when they had the kid and she's still very much protective of, of Holly from Walter. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic that she's not turning him in. But at the same time, I think she's still maybe a little bit more afraid of him than she used to be. 
Oh, hundred percent. I have it written down in my notes. She just looks incredibly uncomfortable in her own home when he, while he's there throughout mm-hmm. the throughout this episode, until what happens at the end of this episode. But you're right. Yeah, like she she won't let him near him. She's you know sitting in front of him. And who comes home but Walter Jr. And he's pumped. You know his dad. He's he's like, yeah, dad's home. And Walter, I kind of plays a little bit of an act, like, oh yeah, like it's good to see a son, like. You know, and it's a little bit of rubbing it in Skylar's face yeah. because, you know, he's 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 soaking up that he's the good guy right now and that he's done nothing wrong. And uh, meanwhile, the cops are on their way. Um, it's just a matter of waiting for them. Right. So they make a grilled cheese. They're sitting down eating and, and the cops come in. And the cop says to Skylar, like, did did he strike you? And she says, no. And he says, well, did he you know, sexually assault you in any way? Did he do anything to, to hurt you, you know, physically or emotionally? And she goes, no, I just, I want him out of here. Like, I'm, I, I'm trying to get a divorce. I, I really don't feel comfortable with him here. And he goes, well, what deed's on the house? Whose name? She goes, both of ours. <laughs> he goes, I can't really kick a guy out of his own house. That's not a law. And then it's this interesting little scene, Shay, where he says, if you know of any criminal activity that this guy has done even a hunch I'll kick him out right now and I'll bring him downtown and the ball's in her court to get rid of him if she wants to. Yeah. And can you recap? I know it's been a long time, but the first time you watched this, what, what, you know, did you think she was going to say it? Did you think she was going to chicken out? What was, uh, what was your thoughts when you first saw this? Yeah. When I first saw it, I thought she might. And I thought it'd be very hard for them to like prove it. You know, like they'd have to find the money and all that kind of thing. Looking at this time and what we just talked about her, about her fear. I think it was more, I think it's a fear. Obviously she is afraid of Walter, but it's also afraid. Well, if I get rid of him, what's the consequences? You know, is he still cooking? Are the people going to come see me now? Like, how does this uh, affect my family? So I think she's kind of put between a rock and a hard place uh, in this scenario, watching it for the you know fifth time. Yeah. And like you said, she, she ended up not saying anything. And to, to that point, there's not much more in, there's even a little scene where Walter picks up Holly kind of makes him look like the good guy again uh, mm-hmm. in front of the police. So they're really not a ton they can do. So they just end up leaving. Yeah. T- tough scene for Skylar. Cause I do feel for her here. Um, and I think it's harder than you think to turn, I mean, turning your husband uh, who's a drug dealer father kids i mean walter jr who knows how he would react to his mother uh, until it was actually proven if it was a long drawn out court trial that could get ugly uh, it could really affect her long-term relationship with her son so i can't necessarily blame her in this spot mm-hmm. yeah i mean neither it's uh it, it may not be the right move at this time but uh we'll, we'll see down the road if she she tells anybody else right so yeah she she kind of takes holly she says, welcome home. And then she goes and locks herself in her room. So that's her little payback so that he's basically on his own island, but in his home, but you know, not, not having much to do. Um, Jesse, however, just bought uh, his aunt's house, you know, p- pulled the fast one on his parents. Uh, he's still, he's clean again, uh, but he's basically out of money now because he spent 400,000 on the house. And so he's no, no furniture or anything in his parents' home, but he's sitting there with his cell phone. And this is a really 
kind of tough scene. Saul comes and visits him and he's Saul basically saying, you know, come cook. Like, you know, this is, this is what you're meant to do. Like, let's do it. Let's make some money. Jesse goes, yeah, yeah. I'll talk to Walt, whatever. Like, can you beat it? And his main activity, because he's all by himself, is to call a number. And who, what, what number is he calling, Shay? Yeah, he repeatedly calls Jane's uh, ringtone um, just to hear her voice, which I, you know, I've heard of other people doing, mm-hmm. you know, even, and, and it's been brought up in TV before. It's not the first time, but yeah, it's a, it's a way to see it. But he's clearly in a lot of grieving. He's in a lot of pain still. And, you know, as a former addict, this is kind of an addiction to him is to keep hearing her voice because, you know, just just gets him through the day. You're right, though. No, no furniture, no nothing. And it's just him basically, you know, just lying in a sleeping bag on the ground, uh, listening over and over again to, to Jane's voice. Um, yeah. And, and you could just tell by the way he looks and, you know, the great acting by Aaron Paul. He's just in such a such a slump and such, you know, a depression that it's probably just inimaginable how he's feeling yeah it it was just tough to watch for me because he's sitting there and you're calling a number that you know is never going to pick up uh, and that's it's got to be a helpless feeling um Mm. meanwhile the twins are they're in new mexico and um we see this old woman pull up to a you know a van meant for a disabled person you know as a wheelchair ramp and this old woman is about halfway up and then a twin steps up from the other side. One gets behind her and she basically goes, hi, can I help you? And the next scene we see is this van driving up to a farm. Basically we see a bunch of chickens and it's very remote and uh, it's Gustavo Fring's basically a warehouse for his chicken restaurants. But the disabled woman is gone and our old friend, Mr. Don Hector Salamanca, aka Mr. Mr. Ring, Mr. Bell, has replaced uh, replaced her in the uh, in the disabled van. Yeah, kind of just shows the cartel like they'll just take whatever they want. They're not going to go out and buy something. They can yeah. just take it, whoever. So clearly, this poor old lady has seen her last days, and you know they they needed the van, so they took it from her. Um, and another character shows up, and uh, who who would that be, Juggy? Yeah. Um, I, well, are you, are you mentioning the, the, um, the cartel, the cartel boss? Yeah. He, so the guy we saw, uh, at the beginning of the episode is now he's in Albuquerque as well. He's meeting with Gustavo, with the twins and with, you know, Don Hector Salamanca to talk about basically Walter White, uh, there, he kind of says, you know, Don Hector was Tuco's uh, mentor. He taught him in the business and Walter had a hand in his death and, you know, blood, blood needs to be shed here. Uh, eye for an eye, so to speak. And, um, we don't really care about your partnership with him. We need him dead, you know, yesterday. Yeah. And just kind of explaining who they are, the relations. Um, we find out a little bit more about you know, he even said like Hector thought of Tuco as a son. So you could tell he's pretty pissed off. Um, and Gus says, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. And we also figure out that Gus has deep dealings with the cartel and, yep. you know, you know, they almost uh, carved their, carved their land out as territories. You know, the, this side of the border seems to be Gus's territory, mm-hmm. even though the, the cartel still has affiliates there. And in Mexico, obviously is the cartel's territory, but 
you know, they're respectful. The guy's like, I, I respect your territory, but this is something that has to be done. Bloodshed has to be, uh, has to come. And, you know, Gus kind of refuses. He's like, no, like uh, as long as I'm dealing with this man after I'm done dealing with him, mm-hmm. and after his, yeah, after he's provided everything he can to me, you can do whatever you want. But for the time being, I, I can't have this happen. Yeah. And so this cartel boss pulls Gus aside and he goes, you know, have we not been good to you here on the other side? And, and he says, well, yeah, of course, we have a good relationship. We make money together. And he says, well, yeah, but, you know, you wouldn't want to piss off the cartel, Gustavo, because you don't want to lose the faith because that wouldn't be good for you in the long run. Basically threatening him, saying, if, warning, yeah. if you go against us, things are going to happen and it's not going to be good for you. And Gustavo doesn't really say much. He says, well, I can't control my own territory anymore. But this is the first really received Gustavo where his facial expression was not mild mannered. He looked irritated and we'll learn more about him as the show goes on. But he's not a guy. He even says it in the next episode. He said, fear is not a good motivator. And clearly they're trying to use fear to motivate his behavior here. And it's not going to work. No, no, he's, he stands tall. Uh, and the cartel boss basically says, you know, I, I, I can have it and we can let him live. I can speak for my own actions, but I can't speak for theirs. And, mm. you know, as they look up, they see the twins looking in the mirror and you know that they're, they're hungry for blood. They thought of Tuco as a brother. Um, and you know, they're, they're going to want to kill him. So it's, it's kind of the, it's kind of, yeah, he's safe, but, you know, how safe can he really be with these two maniacs running around? Right. Uh, before we get back to the, the whites and everything that they do, um, Hank received a call earlier in the episode that he's wanted back in El Paso. And he acts like this is such good news and he's really excited. But we've mentioned his PTSD. He's terrified to go back. He does not want to go back. He's using every excuse in the book to not go back. And so... He's kind of stressing about it. He's at a dive bar with Gomi and he notices these two guys passing. It looks like methamphetamine, you know, on the table to one another. And he notices it, but, you know, Gomi says, let's call it in, you know, Albuquerque PD. It's just common courtesy. But Hank says, no, 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 let's let it go, whatever. He goes outside while Gomi pays. And when Gomi comes out, Hank goes back in, but for a different reason than to go to the can. Yeah, uh, this is this is unhinged. I mean, and it's Hank looking for trouble in a sense mm-hmm. that, you know, they mentioned at the beginning, Gomi, Gomi says, you know, why, why are we here? Why can't we just go to a Chili's? You know, like, well, we don't have to come to this dump. And, you know, Hank's there for a reason. And he walks in, he basically walks right up to the table without mm-hmm. his gun and says, you know, Let, let's do it, let's go. And the two guys get up and, Hank proceeds to, to lay a whooping down and, you know, a pretty, pretty bad one at that kind yeah. of cracking both these guys heads open. And as he's kind of on top of one guy in the bar, just slowly starts to close in towards him. Uh, he kind of used the, the old, I'm a DA agent and that's, I'm going to get away with this. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Yell DA. Uh, or I wonder if, if a cop did that now, would you think that would work? Hmm probably less likely it's made that 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 strategy's aged a little poorly but mm, uh, who yeah, knows good point, maybe, good point. I mean, 
they they might have grabbed if he didn't maybe they grabbed him and took him out back and maybe that was the end of hank but yeah. you know he, he felt he had to say something in order to uh, establish establish the room right so this was obviously he's a, he's a guy that gets angry but this was more about self-preservation i think he he doesn't want to go to el paso so getting in trouble will delay him going or even maybe potentially exclude him from going because he's you know at a dive bar he's working through things he's you know not in a good mental space and it's it's just a combination of things that really set him off here exactly so yeah he's tough tough look for hank but uh he gomi kind of covers it up for him says that he went to call it in then they attacked hank while he was outside so, but Gomi's not happy. He says, you didn't have your gun. It was really, you know, it was you being unprofessional and he, he's kind of worried about his friend. Yeah, we start to see a clash between the two, um, which we'll, we'll probably get into later on. But you're right. Yeah, he's he's not happy. He had to cover from him in the first place. And, you know, he's he's worried about Hank because obviously it's uh, this is a clear, a clear indicator that he's acting out um for whatever reason whether it's because of the meth or because of el paso yeah so meanwhile the white home is not going well uh it's this beautifully awkward breakfast scene uh which i think is so well acted by um all three participants here skylar's got a paper in front of her face so that only walter jr can see it uh Walt is sitting at the chair, basically like in his underwear, looking like shit. And he's just, Walter Jr. is like, so dad, you going to work? Uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, and he's kind of going through this awkward scene. And, uh, you know, it, it, after Walter Jr. leaves for the day, Walt gets Skylar to sit down and he he decides to tell her, you know, basically that this is the money I've made. If you get rid of it, it's for nothing. And I please like, just take it. This is tuition. This is the mortgage. This is uh, juniors physical therapy. Don't make, don't make my hard work and my suffering for nothing. You know, please don't do that. It would kill me you know, use this to prolong our family. Yeah. And he basically just says, you know, don't, don't tell me now what you think, but like, tell me what you want to do later. If you, if you still want to have this divorce and you still don't want to do this well, then we, we, you'll figure that out later. But for now, just, just take the day to think about it. And, you know, I thought it was kind of like waving kind of a little bit of waving his dick in her face with the sense of like, here's how much money I've made. Mm -hmm. I know, I know he was, he probably had better intentions than just saying, oh, like, look, look, look what I could do. But at the same time, that's kind of what it felt like a little bit, but you're right. I mean, he does, he does put it all out there. He says, I've, I've calculated it all. Like, you know, birthdays, like you said, therapy, everything, tuitions for both kids. This is, this is what we're, what you're going to need to survive. And, you know, if you can't accept role this has all been for nothing. And he basically just says like the things I've had to do, the things I'm going to have to live with that they're, they're just, they're, they're just down the drain essentially. Yeah. That wasn't a good line either. Uh, Cause it makes it sound like it was, he was justifying it because it was for the family, but 
she doesn't ask him. She doesn't say anything throughout the whole time that he's saying. And she just says, let me know later. So she goes and sees her lawyer and she's kind of pissed that he's moved back in. And he, she tells, I want him out. I don't want him around. Like, I just want him out of my life. He won't sign the divorce papers. He's really a nuisance. And she goes, well, you know, can you tell me anything that I could use, you know, and if you don't want to use it later, you know, it's attorney uh, client privilege. Like I can't use it unless you tell me to. And she reveals to the lawyer that her husband is in fact a drug dealer. Yeah. A, ma a meth manufacturer. And this is, this is huge because this is, uh, this is another person kind of getting in on the secret. Like you said, though, it's, it's strictly confidential. So there's no way that she can use it. But the, the lawyer automatically responds. She's like, you know, I can have a restricting, I can have a restraining order within, you know, 30 minutes after this mm -hmm. call. Uh, let me go to the DEA. Let me go to the agents. And, you know, all you have to do is basically sit back and wait till, wait till they take him away and we'll have a case that this divorce will be wrapped up in no time. But Skylar, what does Skylar say to this? This sounds like a pretty good bargain for someone who wants, uh, for someone who wants someone else out of their house. Yeah. She says she won't turn him in because she can't, he, Walt Jr. cannot see his father in that light. And it's tough because I get where she's coming from, but um, what would be best for her son would probably be for her drug manufacturing husband to not be in the picture because he's not only is he you know, manufacturing meth, methamphetamine, but he's kind of off his rocker lately as well. He's not been in a good mental state. We'll see that more in the next episode, but he's really been off kilter as well. And his, his actions toward his son haven't been exactly, you know, spot on in the last, you know, number of weeks. No, not genuine at all, because you think of, you know, you know, if, if he was a good father and a good person, just in general, you'd think that he kind of maybe not have his son, hate his mother and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of enlighten him on what some of the things that were going on, even if you couldn't tell them right out of the way, like, Hey, I, I make meth. That's why right. your mother has, wants to divorce me. You could still be a little bit more genuine and say, listen, like there are major problems going on with me and your mother, you know, don't, don't take this all out on her because uh, clear, clearly she does have good intentions, but you're right. He's, he's kind of just played the, Oh, I don't know. You know, he keeps saying, Oh, I, you know, it's not your mother's fault but basically not saying it, I guess, genuinely, if that, if that makes any sense being like, yeah. yeah, like it's, it's not your mother's fault, but it kind of is in a sense. Right. Yeah. He's, he's helping her with faint praise. Uh, and that's not going to be a good excuse for a son. He wants clear cut information that neither parent is willing to give him right now. Um, we go back to Jesse and, so we see throughout this episode that he's calling Jane's uh, voice message. He's, he's using it as therapy, but towards the end of the episode, one of the calls he gets, this phone has been disconnected and it's this panic look on his face. But to me, Shay, when he closed the phone, the flip phone, it was a sense of closure. It was okay. I can't hear her voice anymore. I need to move on sort of thing. And I think that really helped him push forward whether it was in the good direction or bad direction, depending on how you look at things. No, 100%. It was, uh, it was the, the, the closure that he probably needed because 
who knows? He, he might have done that for the, the rest of time if that right. was still available to him. So, yeah, it was it was kind of like, OK, well, I got to fill my I got to fill this void with something. And, uh, you know, we, we see in the next episode, he says he's going to do the thing he does best. And he takes Saul's advice and he starts uh, he starts on the bandwagon again and starts cooking in the old uh, the old, the old uh, RV. Yeah, he, he, we just see him in the desert. We don't see him cook or anything, but we do see him with the gear on at the end of this episode. So he's back to his old tricks and uh, going to be going to cook some meth. Um, so at work, Skylar still kind of on tilt uh, after Walt's big speech, talking to the divorce lawyer. She's basically in a position where she has no power. She doesn't have a home. Her son thinks she's a bitch, hates her. Uh, she only has her daughter, but she's an infant. So, you know, what, what is that really? You don't have really any human connection with anybody right now. And she's in the kind of the common room or the break room, if you call it, uh, to use an office term. And she's making photocopies and Ted walks in to get a coffee and she walks over to him. They kind of stare at each other for a while and, uh, she plants one on him. Yep, that the it, it was a uh, it was huge because you felt the tension basically since Ted came onto the scene with the show, and you could mm-hmm. tell that there was something there, and they finally act on it. You think about that awkward uh, singing scene for Ted's birthday, you know everything kind of leading up to this, and you know a coworker slowly walks in after, and Ted kind of makes awkward small talk, but uh, but then you know Skylar says, "Are your kids home?" and uh, we're all adults. We all, we all know what happens after this. Yeah. So <laughs> she, um, she goes to Ted's for a conjugal visit. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so she's, she's home late, but, uh, Flynn's friend, uh, Lewis is over because Walt said he's been driving him to school a lot. He's a good friend to him. So thought he'd have him over for supper and Walt's like, yeah, I'm cooking. Uh, I hope you thought about my offer. I can't wait to sit down. No rush. You know, we could talk about it whenever, but Skylar's just sitting at the chair. She hasn't really said anything since she called the cops to Walter and she's just staring at him and he's kind of like smiling. Like we got the family back together. A good family meal. Yeah. Even even goes to say, Oh, oh, honesty. It's such a, it's such a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's, he's like the most like, like nicest honest guy in the world now after he's you know basically confessed his sins yeah well not even all of his sins that's the funny part like he hasn't really been totally honest but he thinks to he thinks that you know now that they're having honest conversations in his eyes that everything's kind of going the right way until he gets some bad news shortly after right so he's got the salad bowl she goes and she goes and grabs it and as she does this she whispers in his ear I fucked Ted. And then she immediately walks to the dinner table. Yeah. And she, she walks and this, like for the, this is the most confident she's been. She's, you know, kind mm. of sitting down with the kids. Walter, this at this point, still in the kitchen and his face. Oh, it's, it's perfect. Like the, the acting by Cranston in this one is just um. un- unbelievable. He's, he's got like a little bit of disgust, a little bit of shock going on in there. And, you know, that's, it's, it's a great way to end the episode. And, you know, this is everything that Skylar can do to get back at, at Walter because mm-hmm. you know, her hands are tied with the situation about, like we talked about talking about uh, him being a meth uh, manufacturer and, 
you know, he's in the house now and she, you know, he, she can't get him out that way because obviously can't tell uh, about that either. So, you know, how, how is she going to get back at him? And this is, this is kind of the perfect recipe for, for Walter to get unhinged. And uh, yeah, this next episode is, it's funny. It's all, it's, it's kind of, it is humorous, but at the same time that you kind of feel for him a little bit because uh, he's going through one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I completely agree. Uh, because yeah, he's, he's going through um, a tough time. So that brings us to episode four. Uh, it's titled green light. And so Jesse is in the RV and he pulls into this kind of run of the mill gas station on a, it looks like it's on a, a native reserve. Um, I think it's called the big chief station. So he pulls in, he's getting gas and cigarettes, but the total is $79 and he doesn't have $79. He's flat broke. So she goes, yeah, well, I, I'd let you come back later and pay, but my dad's like a big hard ass and I can't, you know, he looks at the receipts. So Jesse's like, what if we make a trade? And he uses the only thing that he has really on him, and that would be meth. Yeah, and not just any meth, blue meth, because mm-hmm. he's uh, he's been using the same recipe that uh, that him and Walter started with. And you know he you know she's kind of like oh like I don't know I smoke a lot of weed but I, I heard it's super addictive. You know what what's it like? And Jesse, as a former user, says it's awesome. You know it's you know, just gives you chills and, you know, makes everything more interesting, you know, more bright. And he's got to cut this dreamy look to him where, you know, his glassy big blue eyes mm-hmm. and, you know, she's, she could, you could tell that she's kind of into him and it's kinda, he's kind of using that to her advantage. Yeah. He's definitely using yeah her physical attraction to him to luring. She's still really kind of, I don't know. And the funny thing is she's, I think she's about to accept it. And who walks in but a police officer? He goes to the back of the store to get a juice or something. And as he's coming up to the register, Jesse slides her the meth. She puts it in her pocket while the cop's only a few feet away. He grabs his smokes and says, have a nice day. Uh, and uh, he drives off scot-free for you know at least 20 minutes of this episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a it's a good way to it, uh, it all comes back. Um, and we'll get to that later. But it's a, it's a nice little way. And it's also kind of Jesse uh, being confident. But at the same time, you think someone who's sober and, you know, rehabbed wouldn't want to expose those same demons to somebody else. Right. So you can still tell Jesse's even though he's he's better. He's like he said in a few episodes earlier, he's still the bad guy. That's what he's labeled himself as. Mm hmm. Yeah, he, he needed the gas, he needed to get out of there, and he used what he had. You know, he used the meth even all the while knowing what it can cause and what pain it can lead, you know, ultimately being a part of his love of his life, Jane's death. Um, so we see, we see now Walter, he's pretty PO'd uh, that uh, Skylar has slept with Ted and he's kind of not talking much to, to Walter Jr. Said he might said he, he's, you know, kind of being aloof with everybody, but what does he do when Skylar goes to work, but he drives to Beneke, which is Skylar's work, Ted's business. And he asked to see Ted and 
The receptionist is like, uh, he's busy right now. He goes, oh, I got all day. I'll just sit here and wait. And uh, he sits in the lobby and ultimately Ted is caught sticking his head through the uh, crack of the uh, window. Yeah, Walter tries to pay him a visit. And, you know, it's a, it's a basic reaction for, you know, a husband who's who's been cheated on, essentially kind of slamming the doors, you know, say, I, oh, I just want to talk like let's be men about this. And, you know, causing a bit, a bit of a scene, a bit more of a scene than he probably wanted to. And then he tries to break in to, to, with, with, uh, with this huge bowl of a plant. And it's a ridiculous scene where he's dragging it over. It's clearly too heavy for him to just pick up and throw. But he, he drags it over to this window and then he tries to chuck it at the <laughs> he tries to chuck it at the window and it doesn't even break. It just kind of falls down and cracks the cracks the pot. Right. Yeah. He, everybody's looking at him. He Skyler's like, he's, I'm doing she goes, what are you doing? He goes, nothing. Just moving this. And he's dragging it over. Uh, eventually, security do get him out of there. And he's, he's about to go back in because he sees this back door. So he, he's not leaving without his pound of flesh. But who cuts him off, you know, almost hitting him in the process, is our unknown veteran uh, who's working for both Saul and, and Gustavo Fring, we know now. Uh, and this time he's doing the bidding of Saul because, as we recall, Saul had the whites home bugged. He knows about their divorce. He knows all the problems. And they caught this in time before it could really spiral and hurt Walter even more. Yeah, essentially, uh, the, our veteran brings him back to Saul's office. And basically, they just kind of go over, you know, they're like, okay, listen, you can't be can't be going to offices, banging on doors and stuff like this. Uh, of course, Saul's just like, oh, like, she, she cheated on you. Well, that's like, that's like my every wife I've ever had. Yeah, if, if you haven't figured this out already, Saul's kind of a sleazebag uh, in, in most sense. And you don't really get to see the lighter side of him until you uh, watch his shows, Better Call Saul. Mm -hmm. But then Walter kind of puts it together. He's like, how did you know I was going to be there? How did you know we were having problems? And he's like, did you have my house bugged? And Saul says, yeah, yeah, I, I did. And he's uh, outraged, clearly. Yeah, he's pissed. He goes, "What are you like? Why are you intruding on my business? Like, this is not, uh, you know, this is not what you should be doing. I don't care." And while he's there, Saul kind of says, "You know, this is not a bad thing. She could have turned you in. Like, we could be in jail right now. You know, in a cell with with a big dude. Uh, but you know, okay, yeah, she, your your wife uh, snuck off the reservation for some uh, <laughs> for." I'm going to try to get this right for some dirty pleasure and Walter completely. Oh, he's yeah. Yeah. This is, this is when Walter basically he, he loses it. He's already having a rough enough day, uh, embarrassment at Benicky's, you know, finding out the information the night before and he just goes after him and, and Saul delivers a very Saul like line. He's like, boo hoo. I won't cook meth. You cry baby. And, uh, and, and kind of storms off and, you know, Saul's like, you know, tells our veteran man go deal with this I, i've had enough of this man yeah he basically he's they're they're fired and saul goes who cares you're not cooking any meth anyway you don't make me any money uh and he's, you just ruined a 300 dollars suit he's all po'd with uh with walter but you know he got dinged pretty good he got him in the face a few times before our veteran who kind of sat there for a bit and let saul get hit which was funny too oh, yeah. uh but 
So Walter leaves and it's, it's a, it's a pretty funny scene. Um, at this point he gets rid of the, our veteran goes, gets rid of the bugs from the house and where he's parked, there's this drawing in the pavement and it's a drawing of the machete that these, that our twins had. So clearly they, they've been back to Walter's house and our veteran kind of says, you know, sometimes Walter, it's not that bad. It's sometimes a good thing to have someone watching your back. Uh, clearly giving him a shot indirectly and telling him you're only alive because of me right now. Yeah, Walter, to, you know, to this point, Walter still has no realization that the cartel wants his head. Mm-hmm. And he, you're right. Yeah, uh, our veteran just kind of says, listen, like, you're you're alive on this planet because I, I allowed you to be alive. And, you know, now you're getting rid of the only protection that, could keep you alive mm-hmm. and Walter's still oblivious to, to what has gone on in the past episodes kind of just storms back into the house yeah he's he's done with them um at this point Hank is still going to El Paso uh he had that altercation but it hasn't derailed his plans completely he's in the car with Marie and she's clearly very worried because she goes you have to go and he, he kind of mentions you want to go to dc this is how you get to dc you have to do trips like this you put in the time and then you get a good transfer and you go to a better better place of work and as he's about to check his bags in he gets a call that the blue meth is back a man has been arrested with with the blue meth in hand and hank decides not to get on the plane yeah, it's a it's a very similar scene if you think about it to when Walter was supposed to go see his mother. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets dropped off, but he never actually enters the the airport. I guess it's a common theme here. No one likes actually flying in this show. Um, but uh, he, you're right. He gets the call and he heads right back to Albuquerque, and uh, he's he's going to investigate uh, this blue meth a little little further. Yeah, and we see they're in they're in the uh, the question room at this. This meth head that's, he's something else, this guy. Uh, he's, we see him, he's grabbing his head, trying to think. Like, he's that strung out. He can't put anything together. And Hank goes, can you tell me anything? Like, I know it takes a lot of brain power up there for somebody like you, but could you give me a name? And he goes, ah, Mel. And he goes, Mel. Okay. Okay. That's great. That, that was good. I know that that probably hurt you. Hank's still making fun of him. He goes, yeah, Mel. So he's right that down. Is there a last name? And then he goes, well, maybe it was Mark. <laughs> and clearly they're not getting anywhere with this guy. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, it was definitely a mm sound. And uh, as they leave, Gomi's like, what, what are you doing here? Like, this is, this is almost ridiculous. Like, we're, ta- we're, we're tracking down junkies for, you know, an eighth, which is, if anyone doesn't know, that's a small bag of meth. And, you know, and he's like, you, sh- you should be in El Paso now. Like, well, what the hell are you doing here, Hank? And kind of like the last episode, we see these two kind of butt heads again. And Hank questions Comey's loyalty to, to uh, this investigation. Yeah, he, he says, I thought you were one of the only ones that really believed in me. Like you're, you know, this is real. Like this blue meth is not, this is not going away. This is a real case. And Gomi's just kind of like, well, you're getting into bar fights. You're not carrying your gun. 
you're really ang- you're angry all the time. Like, I'm just worried about you, bro. And he kind of puts his hand on his shoulder. And Hank did not have a good reaction to this. No, he's like, get your hand off my, get your hand off my shoulder, bro. Basically, mm-hmm. and says, you know, get get out of my way and ask for a transfer if you're not committed to this uh, to this case. So basically, kind of ending their their friendship, per mm-hmm. se, in, in a sense. Yeah, he he's clearly convinced that this is real, but also he doesn't want to go back to El Paso. So there is there's some problems at both ends here. Yeah. Um, Gustavo now meets with. You know, we keep saying veteran, but I'm going to say who this guy is just because. As well. Yeah, it's annoying. So this guy, our veteran that we've mentioned many times, that's helped out Jesse's taking care of Walter works for, works for Gus and Saul. His name is Mike Ermintrout. And he, I love him. Uh, he's a, just an old school guy. And he's, he's, he's got his hands in both cookie jars and he's make, you know, we see his granddaughter. We learn more about his story throughout, but he's really just, he's a jack of all trades. He does whatever they want him to do. He keeps very quiet. He's got a low profile and he's just a great employee because he'll do whatever you want. So he goes and meets with Gustavo at the Spartan garage and they basically talk about Walter's mental health. Uh, yeah. Not, not just mental his physical health. They, mm-hmm. Somehow Mike has got, you know, the, the, documents the the cancer documents from the hospital which doesn't show you how he got them but clearly shows that he's he's got reach and you know he clearly knows people that know people because uh, obviously those are very high highly confidential uh information mm-hmm. but yeah he meets with him kind of tells him his condition basically says you know walter has a few years at best with uh, with how well his surgery went um but you know, it's it's not about the cancer. About it's he's in shambles right now with uh, his wife and what's going on uh, with his marriage. And you know, he also he's, he says, "Oh, I'm supposed to bring up well, the the Pinkman kid wants to to set a deal because he's uh, he's interested in in, uh, in selling to you." Right, and it's interesting because normally he says I don't deal with junkies, but then Walter has said no to working for him, and he won't use fear. But what does he know? affects Walter more than anything else. And that would be his ego. <laughs> and he says, you know what? Do the deal. And he kind of leaves the car and it's, we see what happens later, but it was clearly he's thinking ahead. This guy's very sharp and Gustavo, he knows what, what makes Walter tick. And it wasn't scaring him. It's more hitting at his pride, hitting at his pride and joy, which is his meth. Exactly. Yeah. He's Gustavo is clearly, you know, three steps ahead of the game and we see that throughout the show at all angles, but yeah, th- at this point he knows what's going to get, uh, get Walter back. Um, what do we we'll move on from here? It's. Well, we see that there's the school, a, couple, a few really oh, good the school scenes scene. at the school. Yes, the school. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, I'll let you take this one. So we start with Walter's in his classroom and he's, just basically staring at the ground, not teaching. And he goes and meets with principal Carmen. And I, I, it never directly says this, but I always found through body language that Walter had a thing for her uh, in the earlier season. She is an attractive woman. Um, So she's kind of like, I'm kind of concerned about you, Walt. And during the middle of this conversation, he (laughs) sees a picture of a dog and he goes, 
kind of dog is this? She goes, I don't know. Like, well, what is it? Can you just come over here and sit? Okay. So he just goes and sit down next to her. And um, maybe out of jealousy and because Skylar could do it, he decided he'd try his luck at the cheating game as well. Yeah, he, he leans in and, you know, automatically she's she's just kind of like, what the hell are you doing, Walter? Like, you know, this this is totally unprofessional, totally unlike you. And, you know, he, he gets the boot. Mm-hmm. And, and you know he's he's walking out of the school with uh with his things and someone keeps someone comes to meet him at the school and uh i'll let you yeah so jesse is outside in his car he honks and walt walks with his things puts him on the top of jesse's car and gets in and he goes you know do you just get fired uh no like long-term sabbatical <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. That's where I'm saying it. Yeah. Um, so they start talking and he goes, Yeah, I want to start cooking again. I want back in the game. And Walt goes, Yeah, I don't. Uh, and he goes, Yeah, no, I know, I know, but um, you know, I I just cook some killer meth and you know, I'm gonna see what we can, you know, see what we can get sold. And Walt flips back into Heisenberg because he sees it's his blue meth. And again, he's on tilt because he's irate that Jesse's using his recipe to make potentially make money in the future. Yeah. And, you know, Jesse's kind of genuine about it. He says, you know, I I was, I was going to cut you in because, Mm -hmm. you know, it is your recipe. And Walter's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let you meet this person. And you're right. He, he kind of gets unhinged again. And you're right. He goes kind of full Heisenberg in the sense that he's he's so proud of what he's made and so proud of you know what he's produced that he can't just let somebody else make it even even though it's his technically it's his partner and someone he's worked with the entire mm-hmm. time he's done this and you know he gets out and he's like they they kind of have a fu match and a funny scene while well, uh jesse drives away with uh, walter's thing still on top of the car all over the place uh, they, they they crash and shit breaks and you know kind of left walter uh, on his hands and knees trying to collect his things yeah it's been a bad episode for walter bad couple oh, yeah. here uh and you know jesse jesse was g- sincere he was gonna give him his half and he walter could not even accept that because it was a little cloudy or something he was just wasn't okay with that it wasn't perfection mm-hmm. and um even though you know jesse says people that smoked it were you know says it's the bomb walter responds with who junkies who do you think is going to be doing it, Walter? They're not uh, business people that, you know, I, you'd assume, but <laughs> he's, he's freaking out and he, he's just having none of it at this point. You um, think, you think if you were Walter and you were actually trying to get out of the game, right? Juggy, you think this would be the time to kind of, you know, let Jesse, let Jesse do his thing and walk away. If you were, if you were smart and you knew you were yeah. going to leave it. Right. I mean, Oh, exactly. Let, let him cook and just say, you know, it's your business now, kid. Uh, I'm my family's in such disarray. I've made it. He said he's made enough money. You know, he's calculated all the money he needs. He says he's made enough. So this should be the perfect time to exit. He's doesn't know that he's in danger, but in his mind, he's safe. He's in the clear and he can at least try to build back his family life. Yeah, exactly. So Hank has been dodging his boss's calls all episode, all episode because he's chasing this blue meth. And before he goes to see his boss, he goes to this, 
the same uh, native uh, gas station because the guy who was arrested, they found out who was kind of a, worked through this mill and they found out it was Max. And this guy was, was a, in a, a friend of the clerk at the, um, at the uh, gas station. He kind of ratted her out. So he goes up there and she's completely afraid. She goes, I just smoke weed. Like, I don't do this often. I tried it once and I hated it. And he goes, well, who, who gave it to you? And she goes, well, this is really good looking guy with blue eyes. And he goes, yeah, yeah, he's gorgeous. Okay. What, what else? What can you give me here? And well, he's got brown hair and she's just kind of floundering, but she goes, he was driving an RV and he goes, Okay. Okay. What was color is brown. And above her is a security camera. And he goes, please, please tell me that works. And uh, unfortunately it was not operating. Yeah. Poor girl is not too well under pressure. She, uh, she basically is in tears by the time <laughs> the end of the conversation. And uh, yeah, that, that they, the fact that he, you know, she, she keeps saying, Oh, I, like, I'm sorry. I really wish I could help you. I just don't have anything for you. Hank's on his way out and, you know, he gives a, he gives a last look and he sees an ATM and this ATM is pointing directly towards the, the tanks to the pumps. Mm. And, you know, he's, he's got it. He's got what he needs and uh, he's starting to retrieve imagery off of it. Yeah. He's, he's excited. He's, you know, this is kind of a, a big break in the case for him. And meanwhile, he gets back and he sits down with his boss and he goes, I got some lead on the Heisenberg case. Like we got 29 uh, registered RVs in the county. And the boss like, uh, 29, huh? Only 29. <laughs> Only 29. <laughs> so I had to go knock on some doors. He goes, Hank, are you going to El Paso or not? Yeah, yeah. I, I just need some time. Goes, no, you don't have it. Are you leaving tonight? And this is really one of the first times Hank was vulnerable because he had to make a decision, say how he was feeling. He says, no. Yeah, it's, this is, this is the obsession. This is the obsession since he's got a little whiff of it and, you know, Hank can't, can't let it go. You know, he's been waiting for something like this to resurface and it finally has. And I think we just break him to, to leave it. So to your point, yeah, I, I do feel he's still, you know, timid about going to El Paso because he knows what could happen to him mm -hmm. but in the same sense you know he's he's built this you know case and he's built everything around uh this walter you know not walter white obviously a heisenberg character and he's gonna have to try and break him but it's gonna cost him his promotion yeah and just thinking about life it's tough when nobody believes you about something um mm -hmm. obviously we can think of lower scale in our lives but you think of rape victims or um, somebody that's in an abusive relationship and often it can be pushed to the back burner. Hank is right in this scenario, but he doesn't have sufficient evidence for it to seem right. But at the same time, I think you do want your employee, you want people in life to not be afraid to step forward and, and point out when they're, when they think they're right or when something's bad's being done to them, because then nothing changes and life kind of just remains at a standstill. And if anything's been proven to us in the last you know, year and change, people speaking out, people doing the, the scary thing is often the, be the best thing to do in life. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sometimes the the hardest thing often is the the right thing. Unfortunately, um, even speaking back to Walter, where he says, hey, you know, he, he was teaching Walter Jr. how to drive. He goes, mm. you know, you know, is the is, do you want to do the easy thing or do you want to do the right thing? Right. And yeah, often think that right thing does turn out to be the hardest uh, hardest decision. But yeah, I, I mean, for Hank, this is this is uh, this is his obsession now. It's it's become his duty to find uh, get to the bottom of this case. When you started driving, did you use both feet your first couple of times? No, I only, I only used one foot. I would have been probably smacked in the back of the head if I if I would have drove with two feet. Did you go two for a while? Oh, my first my like when I was did when I got my license. By the time I was a good driver, no. But like when I was first practicing with my dad or mom, it was just instinct. Eventually, I got got out of it, but I did do it like Walter Junior for a while. Oh, Walt Junior, Walt Junior special. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Had to get that whacked out of me uh but eventually eventually it happened um so jesse is going to meet with gustavo's man he's dropping off some meth he's picking up some money and they're under this overpass he gets a baggie he says enjoy it man it's killer uh and he's but he's caught off guard because he only has half of his take and he the guy turns around he yells at him and he says yo yo you only paid me half he says yeah your half and he drives away signaling that Walter is still in the mix here yeah he's still in the game even if he doesn't want to be he's still because of it's his creation um and this is all staged by Gustavo because he knows this is this is his way of pulling Walter back in uh Mm -hmm. back into the mix and he's going to do it by basically saying oh you're you're producing this now you're producing this garbage well, you know, this, this isn't going to work. And, you know, Walter's, it's like you said earlier, Walter's proud of what he's made. Yeah. So we then pivot to Walter. He's at this kind of, he stopped at this uh, stop uh, stoplight. We hear in the background, this was kind of just thrown in there, but Jane's father, Donald, it says on the, on the radio, he's been rushed to hospital because he tried to take his own life. Uh, so this was under, under the, if you weren't really paying attention, you might've missed this, but he's, yeah, his Jane's father's tried to take his own life and he sh- with, with a gun. And, um, clearly the, the tragic accident has really continued to take a toll on him. Yeah. Well, it doesn't take a toll on Walter as he turns down the radio. So he doesn't have to hear it. <laughs> he's, he's yeah. real, real sad about this news. Uh, but as he's sitting there, you know, his windows open. And he's kind of just staring into the gaze like he's done a lot of this episode. Uh, someone pulls up beside him and uh, gives him a little message. Yeah, he throws a bag at him and he says, you're half, and just drives away. Uh, and Walter's just completely caught off guard. But he clearly, I think he realizes after a while that he's still got skin in the game. He's still in the meth business, whether he wants to be or not. And Gustavo is trying to lure him back into into the business yeah and of course the the iconic ending of this episode is mm-hmm. you know the the stoplight that he was at finally turns green yeah kind of indicating that it maybe it's walter's time to get back into the game and start cooking again yeah uh great great this show does really great endings to episodes we mentioned the last one with the you know i fucked head and this one with the green light they're, I think beginning and ep- beginning and ending of episodes are so important 
Um, I think of a show I know we both really like, The Sopranos, did a really good job uh, with that as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this show really does it masterfully where you see sometimes it ties in loose ends from fu- future episodes, sometimes it's foreshadowing. And I think this, this is definitely a foreshadowing of the next couple seasons to come. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we talked about in IFT. It's a, it's a great way of tying out uh, maybe a question mark and how Tortuga died, how mm-hmm. they found out and, you know, and kind of does that all in one swift, swift motion with also introducing new characters, which is what it also did with the, the cartel boss. Right. Absolutely. And that wraps up uh, episode four, like you said, a couple of really good episodes. Um, and it shows there's not a whole lot of violence in this episode, but there's still a lot happening. You know, there's still a lot of movement. You see diff- uh, the cartel becoming more and more of a factor. I think Gustavo's, he's only been in minimal so far the show, but he's already really a compelling character. And, uh, you know, him seeing his intelligence and kind of him him and Walter having kind of a, a battle to see who's kind of smart and who can win to get each other back into the fold here. But um, we got five and six next week, Shay. You got the move this weekend. Mm-hmm. What are you hiring movers? Do you have some people helping? What's your plan of attack this, this uh, weekend? I'm hiring movers that will be paid in beer and pizza. So oh. uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll, I'll have a couple, a couple lads who are hoping to pack up the rest of the spot and uh, hopefully uh, have everything zip zap and done by Saturday. And, you know, if there's a couple of loose things, well, we still have the, we saw the week after to clean up, but no, that's, that's the plan. So we'll, uh, we'll probably give you an update and I'm guessing by the next time you see me, you'll have a, mm-hmm. a different background and uh, hopefully it'll, it won't be filled with boxes and clutter. Right. No. Uh, what about you? What's on, what's on the schedule for your rest of your week and slash weekend? Yeah. Um, first off, I apologize. Cause I, I wish I could help you move. Uh, that's oh, one that's thing. Okay. Uh, as you know, I'm very good at getting coaches out of really tight spaces. Uh, apartment 49. I still don't know how that, how I did that. Should have known I had to break it, but got it out the door. Nevertheless. Um, yeah. Uh, I wish I could be there to help. I'll be up to visit in the not too distant future. I promise you that. Um, yeah, this week just work, uh, throughout the week, uh, expansion draft, probably cover that extensively mm-hmm. Thursday. Um, yeah, w- watch some, uh, watch some of that, some good baseball. And then this weekend, it's the second annual doc crawl, uh, which mm-hmm. we did last year. So we'll see what we can get up to there. A few of our Fredericton friends will be coming up. I'm just hoping that the weather can hold up as of right now. It doesn't look all that promising. Yeah. Yeah. I am for, for someone who's moving slash for someone who's hoping yeah. that you guys have a fun weekend. I really hope that turns around on you. I'm stealing one of uh, the Doc Crawl originals away from me and Dawson Warman. Uh, oh, we know, we know, yeah, we know his success story there. Uh, we won't get into those stories, but yeah, it's uh, it's. I'm hoping for 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 sunnier days for you guys as you guys have a couple of visitors from outside coming in. Yeah, no, it should be fun. And uh, I, what's what's gonna be the toughest thing for you to move? Ah, uh, I, this is going to sound super cheesy and casual itself, but it's, I think it's the move itself. I've really attached to this apartment. I really like the location and, uh, you know, you know how it's laid out, but I, I think, uh, when we finally get settled into that, to the house, I feel like it'll feel a little bit more normal. And, you know, that's, that's got a great location too, with uh, a tad bit more privacy here in the, here in the big city of St. John. 
Right. No, uh, super happy for you and Kennedy, as you know, yep. but uh, congratulations. And uh, I know you guys will make some good memories there and you and the kiddies and everything else. So looking forward to seeing what you guys do at the place when I come yeah. up. Not too, not, kittens, not, not kids. If anyone's listening out there, we're a no kids podcast uh, as of right now. Very much so. Uh, let's keep it that way uh, for now. Uh, but Shay, great podcasting today, man. And uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll be talking to you this weekend, but good luck on the move and uh, exciting you. things for, for you guys moving forward. But just congratulations again. Absolutely. Yes. Looking forward to having you up. Yeah, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Check out the Expansion Draft podcast from last night. Um, we almost went two hours. Uh, it was great. It's a lot of fun. So uh, get through that. It, it's you'll, You won't regret it. I'll say that. Uh, so uh, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and uh, we'll talk soon.